0: With more than 275 million people spread across 17,000 islands, Indonesia is Australia's largest and perhaps most complex neighbour. Well, this week, the Lowy Institute released the results of the first major poll it's undertaken in Indonesia for more than a decade. The poll gauged Indonesian attitudes on everything from democracy to the threat posed by China, to our own Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. And there were some surprising results, many, I have to say, internally contradictory, I would say, um, to unravel the poll and talk more broadly about the Australia-Indonesia relationship. I'm joined by Ben Bland. He's the director. Well, he was until yesterday the director of the Southeast Asia program at the Lowy Institute. I think you're actually moving back to the UK. Is that right, Ben? Ben?
1: That is right, Geraldine. Um, I'm in Australia uh, for a few more weeks on holiday and then heading back uh, to the UK to join Chatham House, oh. um, which should be interesting.
0: With, uh, we might be talking to you because your specialty is Southeast Asia. Now, look, there's a lot of data from this poll and I actually listened to your webinar that you uh, conducted the other day. Let's start with Australia. What did you learn about how uh, Indonesians view Australia?
1: Well... We know from our annual polling of Australian attitudes to the world that, that Australians overall don't have a great deal of trust or warmth towards Indonesia. And unfortunately, that's pretty much mirrored the other way around. So across a whole host of measures, um, Australia doesn't come out that that warmly. There isn't that much trust or confidence in Australia. And Indonesians actually think that after uh, China and then the US, Australia is the third most likely country to threaten their security in the next decade. So there's some Indeed. there's some concerning findings there, but on a number of other measures I must say uh, there's some signs of a bit more trust in the relationship, uh, a bit less fear about Australia promoting separatism in Indonesia. So I think it's it's not it's not disastrous. I think it's not hugely encouraging, um, but there are some positive signs and as you said when you have a poll that ranges across so many issues you find that people feel differently about different countries based on different questions and we are after all all contradictory uh, beings not just uh, our Indonesian survey respondents. Uh,
0: And uh, in fact their view of um, our prime minister was only just above their view of Xi Jinping and the North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un.
1: Yes, um, there was not a great deal of confidence, it's fair to say in Scott Morrison, to do the right thing in the world. So around forty percent of Indonesians had uh, some or a lot of confidence, and only of that only six percent had a lot of confidence. So that was, Below various other leaders, below Vladimir Putin, uh, below Lee Sin Lung of Singapore, Joe Biden, the Japanese Prime Minister, and I'm surprised they knew who he was because well, he's changing.
0: Ja- yeah, well, yes, and the, in fact, the attitudes to Japan were really quite interesting, very positive indeed. Yeah,
1: across, across many different measures, um, including soft power measures. So when we ask people uh, where they would like to go and work overseas or study overseas, if they had a chance, Japan came out really well. Japan is broadly quite trusted. And I think that's something that other surveys around the world show, including in Australia, that Japan is generally really well liked and admired as, as a country. And that certainly rings true in Indonesia.
0: Yeah, that's that argument uh, that uh, they've got the best diplomats by far uh, of, uh, of our region. Um, what about um, attitudes to democracy? There's, there seem to be some contradictions here. They they certainly respect certain authoritarian leaders overseas, uh, and yet also uh, very pro their their president. I mean, how did you try to interpret all this?
1: Well, Indonesia is the world's third largest democracy, uh, but it has had challenges in the last few years. There's been increasing pressure on civil liberties and, and human rights, which is something we've seen across the world, to be honest, it's not unique to Indonesia. But when we asked Indonesians you know, how they value their system of government, around 60% said that they thought democracy was the right system for them, and that hadn't really changed um, since the last poll a decade ago, which is really good. But what's important to understand is that, unlike in Australia or a lot of Western liberal democracies, pride in in indonesia's own democracy doesn't reflect how they look at the world so they don't, they're not looking at the world through a democratic lens in, in the way that we are which is why there are quite a few unelected or authoritarian leaders that indonesians have quite a lot of confidence in more than democratically
0: like, like Mohammed they, bin salman and the uae i mean it was <laughs> the, the sighting of yeah. the middle east was quite interesting
1: yeah, so the, the the crown princes from from uh, um, Abu Dhabi and Saudi Arabia were at the top of the kind of most trusted leaders, which maybe reflects some some Islamic connections there. I, I, I suspect, but more broadly, it's important I think to understand that. Yeah, while we look at the world in terms of good guys and bad guys, that's just not how Indonesians are looking at things. And and they have a a much kind of broader range of factors. And I say it really depends on issues. So uh, Saudi Arabia, for example, which is obviously the spiritual home of of Islam and Indonesia is the, the world's most populous Muslim country. It came out really well in a number of rankings. But then, as I said, when we asked about studying and working overseas, and and many Indonesians do study and and work in Saudi Arabia and other um, Gulf and Middle Eastern countries, actually, those countries didn't appear, appear very high on those rankings. So it was more Japan, Korea, the US, Australia and the UK, Singapore and Malaysia. So really interesting to see, you know, that people feel differently depending on how you frame the questions.
0: Well, in fact, in the w- related webinar, you had two very good Indonesian uh, commentators who made the point that Indonesia is becoming increasingly sort of interest- introverted virtually, like very much inward looking, uh, not at all interested in, well, not much interested, less in fact than in the past in foreign policy or in matters outside them, and I'll come to their attitudes to China in a moment, and very very dependent really on the attitude of whoever was leading them now did you did, did you did you take that view as well did, from what you could read
1: I have a bit of healthy disagreement uh, with my with my colleagues on, on this point to be honest with you and it's it's hard with a poll you, you know you sample across a range of questions but you you never know exactly why for each question but my sense is a little different now it's definitely true that when we asked Indonesians what their top priorities were in terms of, of foreign policy and engagement with the outside world. It was things like you know supporting the creation of jobs back at home in Indonesia, protecting Indonesians overseas. Um, so really priorities that were about supporting people, supporting the economy, supporting growth. But when you think about the fact that Indonesia is you know, a very large developing country, it's not surprising to me that people want their government to focus on, focus their foreign policy on things that bring them material benefits. I think that is understandable to be honest. And on the second point, I believe that you know people tend to influence their leaders as much as leaders influence the people, I and mean, there's clearly a synergy there. But one thing we find in Indonesia is that the President Joko Widodo, or Jokowi as he's known, he also has this laser-like focus on economic development. He's also asked his diplomats to, to focus on, you know, finding trade and investment opportunities that create jobs back in Indonesia. So I think there's a bit of a mind meld there. And I like to think it's the people driving the leadership as, as much as the other way around.
0: Well, what did they think about the turbulence in, in our region? What, what was their attitude to China and the US, the two big superpowers?
1: I'll I'll come to that very briefly in a sec, but I'll just say first that the baseline here is that Indonesians were a lot less worried about security threats now than they were a decade ago. So generally, they're feeling quite safe, probably much safer than our own polling shows Australians feel about the world. So that's the important thing to understand, um, that they're not sort of terrified of all the changes happening. And that's despite being in the midst of the first recession since 1998, being in the midst of a pandemic and all the regional tensions that you you mentioned. So, So putting that to one side... And what we find is really a high degree of distrust towards both great powers, the US and China, but more distrust and concern about China. And also that concern about China seemingly on the rise compared to a decade ago. So concern about um, China's economic influence in Indonesia, concern about China's perhaps assertive behavior in, in the region, Amid that, quite a lot of concern about the U.S., and I suspect some of the concern about Australia as a potential threat relates to, you know, the fact that Indonesians do understand well that Australia is a key part of the US alliance system. And I think this all relates to Indonesia's long history of non-alignment and not wanting mm. to get dragged into great Oh Well, this conflicts. is
0: very strong. I mean, that, that, that was a very strong finding. 84% of people wanted Indonesia to stay neutral and in any US-China conflict. And, and you know, the, your, your guests really emphasised this.
1: Yeah, that's that's really, really important. And that's where I think there is kind of alignment between the people and the government. Indonesia's government is deeply committed to this idea of non-alignment, as they call it, or neutrality. And this is shared by the people. And I think it relates to what we were talking about earlier. Those that focus on those internal issues that people have so many challenges at home. Uh, Indonesia has a, a lot of challenges from economic growth, job creation, climate change, obviously the pandemic. People are worried about food prices now, cooking oil prices. They just don't want to get entangled in external problems that are going to exacerbate all those domestic tensions. Um, so and I think it's really important to understand that, because in the last few years, there's been so many high profile visitors to Jakarta, despite the pandemic, from, from China. We've seen Wang Yi, Anthony Blinken, obviously, Maurice Payne has been there. And there's a big effort to woo Indonesia from all kinds of different powers. And Indonesia is happy to engage, but I really think it doesn't want to be pulled into any sort of alliance even any kind of alignment well uh, they want a quiet
0: life don't they (laughs)
1: yes as as well you might right Um, i mean we
0: all do but i I did get the impression that they there was very much that sense we've got an enormous amount of work to do inside indonesia which they have and you know can, can the world just please go on around us and we'll just get on with that
1: Yeah, um, I think I think there is there is definitely a a sense of that. And I say I think it is it is quite understandable. I mean, I think some of my Indonesian colleagues would would maybe, you know, think it's a a little naive and that these problems are going to land up on your shores, whether you like it or not. Uh, And obviously the government does does understand that. But, you know, we're simply asking people how they feel about the world. Mm. and I think it's really important to understand that because at the end of the day, uh, politicians might want to do that which they choose, uh, but you know their pr- prospects of getting elected and re-elected. Are going to depend on whether or not they can kind of fit into that window of things that the public think is important, which is why we think it's so valuable to you know spend a lot of time asking people what they think about so many important issues.
0: Look, um, lastly, Ben, I'll, I'll read a quote from your survey, which I think pulls it together. At a time of increasingly contested and overlapping geopolitical identities, and I presume this is all before Ukraine, by the way, Indonesians yes. have a clear vision of their place in the world that is centred on Asia. Islam and democracy. Now we haven't mentioned Islam yet. I mean, does that sum up really 21st century Indonesia? And I just sort of wonder about this very interesting role that Islam plays in Indonesian or has played in Indonesian politics.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's broadly broadly it and it doesn't mean that you know those are the only framings that Indonesians have, but I think those are kind of the important Kind of interacting layers, if you like. And we have to remember 90 percent of Indonesia's population is Muslim. So there is a significant minority that's not. But it's not surprising when you have a 90 percent Muslim country um, that, you know, that's going to be a factor. Indonesia is not, of course, a, a Muslim state. It's a multi-religious state officially. But clearly, um, Indonesians, you know, feel respect for certain Islamic leaders. Mm. Um, Indonesians do want a bit more islam in their foreign policy but it really depends on the issues so uh, people were really wanted to see their government supporting Um, independent statehood for Palestine. But when we asked about other issues to do with protecting Muslims in other places... Like like Uyghurs,
0: they weren't interested in the Uyghurs at all.
1: I wouldn't wouldn't say that they weren't interested, but it was a lower priority. And I I think maybe that just reflects the fact that people are aware their government does have a limited capacity and influence to tackle these issues. So it really depends on issue by issue. And I think it's just a reminder to all of us that you can't can't put Indonesia in a bucket while we're saying that's the framing of Asia democracy and Islam. It doesn't mean that that's the lens through which you can understand everything about indonesia and i'd recommend uh, as your previous uh guests were saying a bit of political or social tourism to indonesia now that the borders are opening and just go and travel around the, the wonderful country and talk to people because it's a very diverse place and there'll be some and,
0: election on somewhere wherever you go because they just have exactly. a phenomenal number of elections
1: yeah and the presidential election coming up in 2024 so j- just like america uh, you know the the jostling for position starts a couple of years out so so if you go there now it's, it's already going to be heating up so yeah i encourage people to do it and and find their own answers to these questions. Look,
0: just before I let you go, one of our texts said, please ask your guests about Indonesians' attitudes to West Papua. Did you ask that?
1: Well, we asked about, we we weren't asking about internal politics, but Mm. we were asking about how Indonesians saw the world and saw threats. And to be honest, one of their top fears or top threats that they saw was the fear that Indonesia would be broken up into several provinces. So I think um, then that this relates to Indonesia's history, um, you know, this collection of thousands of islands, you know, spread 3000 miles across the ocean and a fear that outsiders always want to break up Indonesia. So that was actually the top threat mm, interesting. that came out interesting. when it comes to Australia and, and the two Indonesian provinces of Papua and West Papua. Uh, where in the past, I think there's been a fear in Indonesia that Australia um, wanted to sort of break away these provinces, which obviously isn't true. Actually, that fear has, has been reduced in the last decade. So I think there's a little bit more trust there and a little bit less concern, which perhaps reflects a lot of work the Australian government has done to reassure Indonesia that there there are no malign intentions and that Australia wants to support Indonesia, despite obviously concerns about some of the human, human rights, rights. Mm. abuses that are taking place there and elsewhere.
0: Okay. well, look, good luck at Chatham House. No doubt we will chat. Thank you very much indeed, Ben.
1: Thanks so much, Geraldine.
0: Ben Bland, uh, who has been the director of the Southeast Asia program at the Lowy Institute, having had quite a career in journalism in Southeast Asia.